well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you've joined us on the program today. Coming up on the show, we're going to be talking about the right to carry uh, and some of the problems that are currently existing in uh, states around the country. Uh, we'll start with a uh, story reported on yesterday at TiberianArms.com, and that is uh, more indictments in Santa Clara County, California, where a pay-to-play concealed carry scandal has rocked the uh, Santa Clara County Sheriff's Office. Uh, indicted on Monday, the undersheriff of the Santa Clara County Sheriff's Department, Rick Sung. Also, uh, Captain James Jensen. This is the uh, second round of charges for Captain Jensen, both accused of facilitating bribes uh, in exchange for concealed carry licenses. Now, a number of individuals have already pled guilty in this case. Uh, several others uh, charged on Monday by Attorney uh, District Attorney Jeff Rosen, uh, including the head of Apple's security team. Yeah, like way high up the corporate ladder. Allegedly, according to the indictment, uh, the sheriff's officials uh, told the uh, Apple security officer, listen, uh, I know you applied for, uh, I think it was four concealed carry licenses for uh, employees there at Apple. We could help you, but in exchange, we'd like you to help us. Uh, and so the deal that was struck, $200,000 worth of iPads for the sheriff's department in exchange for four concealed carry licenses. Yeah, a local businessman in uh, Santa Clara County also indicted yesterday accused of providing access to a luxury box at a San Jose Sharks game to the sheriff's department. Actually, the sheriff herself, Lori Smith, ended up using that box to celebrate her re-election victory in 2018. Yeah, uh, the graft and corruption that is alleged to have taken place in Santa Clara County, California, is a huge Issue And it's another reason why California and, and frankly, any other state that has a quote unquote may issue standard, a standard that requires applicants to show justifiable need or a good cause in order to get a concealed carry license. This is another reason why these laws are such a bad idea. Not only do they inhibit and in many cases prevent completely law abiding citizens from being able to exercise the right to bear arms, they they create a culture of corruption. They fuel graft. And we've seen this in the New York Police Department, where the Licensing Bureau was involved in its own scandal just a couple of years ago. Santa Clara County, uh, out in California. Plenty of jurisdictions where, again, the opportunity for bribes is created by the broad discretion and the leeway that sheriffs have in terms of deciding who gets to exercise their right to bear arms. Now, in the case of uh, Sheriff Smith in Santa Clara County, she has not been indicted. I want to make sure that that's, that's clear here. Her top deputy has been indicted. The head of the licensing division in the Santa Clara County Sheriff's Office has been indicted. And according to his testimony, nobody got a license without approval by the sheriff. But so far, the sheriff herself has not been indicted. She actually took the Fifth Amendment when she testified before a grand jury just a couple of months ago. The uh, district attorney, Jeff Rosen, says that he is still investigating uh, more indictments, maybe possible. And uh, the local paper there, the San Jose Mercury News, has actually called on Sheriff Lori Smith to resign. So far, she hasn't done so. And I don't expect lawmakers in Sacramento to make any changes to the state's carry laws 
because of the corruption that's been exposed there in Santa Clara County. Nope, I think they would rather have a system that fuels graft than a system that actually recognizes the right to keep and bear arms. But it's not just may-issue states where we're seeing some problems. In the state of Georgia, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution had an incredible story today. Applying for a gun permit cost a Kennesaw State University student a night in jail. Yeah, just applying. That's Martin Jones, who when he was 21, applied for a concealed carry license in his hometown of Albany, Georgia. When he did so, apparently, the sheriff's office added his personal information to a countywide database of names used by law enforcement to track criminal suspects. Because Martin Jones had applied for a gun permit, his name is then included in this database supposedly used to track criminal suspects, even though Martin Jones wasn't a criminal suspect at all. He was a guy, again, who had just reached the age of maturity and was applying for his license to carry. Now, Jones is suing the Albany Police Department, seeking more than a million dollars in damage. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution spoke with John Monroe. He's a gun rights attorney, vice president of georgiacarry.org. And he said that this is kind of common. He said the Doherty County Sheriff's Office may have violated a 2014 law that forbids maintaining a multi-jurisdictional database of people issued weapons licenses. And he said that he suspects that other police agencies around the state are doing the same thing. He says, I've had this conversation with some police officers. He said, at the time, I lived in Fulton County, and I had a carry license. He said, they ran me in Cobb County as though they had pulled me over, and it came up that I had a weapons carry license. And that's just plain not legal. Yeah. So in the case of Martin Jones, what happened was in 2018, December of 2018, Albany police responded to a domestic violence call. Um, 31-year-old woman's car windshield and back window had been smashed with a concrete brick. Holes had been beaten into the windows, the walls, and the floor of her home with a wooden board. And police believed that the suspect was a guy named Martin Jones. Which, by the way, fairly common name. As it turns out, in Albany, Georgia, there are multiple people named Martin Jones. One was later identified as the actual suspect in this case. One of the other ones... Martin Montavious Jones, who is a Dean's List student at Kennesaw State University, more than 200 miles away from Albany, middle name completely different from the suspects, a guy who was nowhere near the crime scene when the crime took place, guy without a criminal history. But Detective Tangela Henry swore out warrants for Martin Martavius Jones, charging him with two felony counts of criminal damage to property in the second degree. So it's not like an all-points bulletin was put out after those warrants were issued. In fact, three months after those warrants were issued, Martin Jones left his car running in a parking lot there at Kennesaw State University while he ran back into his dorm room to grab a textbook. He forgot to switch his headlights back on. So he gets in his car, he starts driving, campus police pull him over. They let him off with a warning for not having his headlights on, but then they called him later that night and said, hey, can you stop by the police department? Martin Jones, again, not a criminal, said, sure. And he went to the police department, and that's when officers told him, hey, we've got warrants out for your arrest from Albany. They read him his rights, and they took him into custody. 
Jones said, I had midterms that week of being arrested. I actually missed a couple of midterms while I was in jail. He spent 33 hours behind bars. He said, I missed classes. I almost missed my registration period for my next semester of classes. He said, I had a lot going on in my mind at one time at that point. He used his one phone call to call his mom. Woke her up down in Albany. He said, Mom, I'm in jail. She said, for what? He said, I don't know. Now, I got to tell you, if that had been my kid, <laughs> I, I'm in jail before. I don't know. My kids are good kids, but I'm still like, yeah, really, come on. Cut the crap. What are you in jail for? Martin Jones eventually convinced his mom, I don't know. I have no idea why I'm here. So she and her mom, Martin's grandmother, start calling the, uh, actually they visited in person the Doherty County Jail, the Albany Police Department, and eventually they found a supervising officer who pulled the case records. His mom's looking this stuff over and she says, this does not make any sense. She said, my son doesn't know this woman who filed the domestic violence complaint. She got online and logged into her son's employee portal for his part-time job at the heating and air company and said, look, he's in Atlanta. He's working. He's on the job at the time that the, uh, the house was damaged and the car was damaged. And by Monday afternoon, a Doherty County magistrate judge had dismissed the charges, which is good, but they shouldn't have been filed in the first place. Latasha Jones says, what if he didn't have a parent or somebody who cares or could assist him? If nobody were there, he'd just be a product of the system by mistaken identity for so many years or so many months, and then they'll say, oh, you're not the right person. Yeah. So Martin Jones graduated in May. He uh, has a degree in mechanical engineering. Right now he's working for UPS. And his attorney is going through the process of having his arrest record um, restricted in the state of Georgia so it doesn't appear in a criminal background search, because right now it does even though Martin Jones didn't commit a crime, was never a real suspect in this crime, and was arrested as a result of a mistake, perhaps a malicious mistake, on the part of the law enforcement officer there in Albany, Georgia, but a mistake nonetheless. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution says there are no guarantees that um, his name won't appear in a criminal background check, that his lawyer, there are no guarantees that his lawyer is going to be successful. Uh, in blocking this from any prospective employers. He dreams of working as a civilian engineer for the military, for contractors for the U.S. Department of Defense, or for NASA. And his attorney said, uh, Martin will always have to answer yes when he's asked, have you ever been arrested for a crime? Because he was arrested for a crime. A crime that he didn't commit. A crime that he really should not have been a suspect. But because his name had been entered into that database because Martin Jones applied for a concealed carry license. His name was added to a database of suspected criminals in Albany, Georgia. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution says an official with the Doherty County Sheriff's Office confirmed that Jones wound up in the country in the uh, county's master name record database because of the gun permit application. Chief Jailer John Ostrader says anybody who has contact with the police can be entered, including people who visit jail inmates. Yeah. What the hell, Georgia? What the hell? Why are we just compiling lists of people? What do these people have in common? Well, Bob over there visited the jail. Martin over there applied for a gun license. Nah, you know what? They both came in contact with us. Better add them to a list. This makes no damn sense whatsoever. 
Austria Anderson says maintaining records of gun permit applicants does not violate state law because they don't reflect whether the permit was granted or denied. And the information is only shared between law enforcement and emergency agencies within Doherty County. So he says this is not multi-jurisdictional. John Monroe with Georgia Carey says, even if it's within the same county, if you're sharing this with between multiple agencies, yeah, that's multi-jurisdictional. He says, I get what Ostrander's saying, but it went if it went among every law enforcement agency in Georgia, they could say it doesn't go beyond the state, but that's not how it works. Now, Republicans control the state legislature in Georgia. They've got a Republican governor. The gun laws are pretty good in Georgia. I don't know what the legislative priorities are going to be in the next session. This should be a legislative priority. Fixing this crap should be a legislative priority. What happened to Martin Jones should not happen in the state of Georgia. Should not happen. When you've got somebody who's applying, first of all, and again, we go back to the idea, should you really have to apply for a government permission slip to exercise your constitutional rights? I don't think so. Well, what's the big deal? What happens? This is a big damn deal. And this is what happens. When law enforcement all of a sudden decides that because you applied for a gun license, now your name can go on some sort of list. And we'll just uh, use you as a potential suspect anytime there's a crime. If your name happens to match the name of a, a person that's, uh, you know, suspected of wrongdoing, yeah, you can get tied up. Maybe it's because you visited a friend in jail. Maybe it's because you applied for a concealed carry license. As I said, Martin Jones is suing the Doherty County Sheriff's Office. He is suing the Albany Police Department. And uh, I hope he's successful. I do. And I hope lawmakers revisit this issue. Promptly. Because there is no reason why somebody who is exercising their constitutional right to keep and bear arms should be placed on a damn list of criminal suspects. This is outrageous. And if you watch this program on a regular basis, you know I'm pretty calm and even keeled. This story, what happened to Martin Jones, it's an injustice. It is an outrage. And you should be angry too. All right. I'm going to try to calm myself down here. <clears throat> Turn our attention to today's uh, good deed of the day. That'll make me feel better. Our armed citizen story, that'll make me feel better too. And our recidivist report, which actually now that I think about it, that's probably going to piss me off as well. Let's get it out of the way. Haverhill, Massachusetts. Police charged a man in a Haverhill stabbing death on probation for a separate shooting incident. Yep, those uh, great gun control laws in Massachusetts don't appear to have done jack squat to uh, stop David Trongo. He was arrested Monday afternoon by the Massachusetts State Police Violent Fugitive Apprehension Section, charged with the murder of 26-year-old Jose Vasquez, who was stabbed Saturday night in Haverhill. Trongo is due to be arraigned in Haverhill District Court on Tuesday. His arrest comes four months after he was set free on probation after being convicted of armed assault. Yeah, armed assault to murder, actually. And was ordered not to possess any weapons, not to commit any more crimes. There's your slap on the wrist, Mr. Trongo. Be on your way. The uh, Lawrence Eagle Tribune reports in February, Trongo was arrested on a charge of armed assault to murder after police said he fired a gunshot at the home of Zachary Monaco in December of 2019. Police said Monaco had threatened Trongo's friend, 
because he was jealous that the friend was dating Monaco's ex-girlfriend. The shooting was said to be retaliation for the threats made against Trongo's buddy. He said that uh, the buddy, a guy named Casey Druin, was driving the car on the night of the shooting. In July, both men convicted of the roles in the incident, which resulted, by the way, in a, a bullet coming within about 15 feet of a woman. Yeah. And then they were both set free on probation. They were each sentenced to a whopping 30 days in jail for shooting into an occupied dwelling, time that they served while they were waiting for their case to be heard in court. They also each received 18 months of jail, which was suspended for two years. So keep your nose out of trouble for two years, and then, uh, you know, we have to worry about this uh, jail sentence. They both pleaded guilty. They were both told they could be sent back to jail for 18 months if they violated probation. Both ordered to remain drug and alcohol-free, have no contact with the victim, and not to possess firearms. Now, the uh, man that uh, 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 Trongo is accused of murdering Jose Vasquez, also no stranger to the law there in uh, Haverhill, Massachusetts, in July of 2018. Police charged Vasquez with two counts of assault and battery causing substantial bodily injury, one count of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, as well as armed assault to murder. In that case, police said Vasquez, who's a known gang member, and his brother Gilbert, stabbed a Methuen man in the stomach and a Nashua, New Hampshire man in his right kidney. The uh, two men transported to local hospital and uh, did recover from their injuries. So again, like, like, like most violent crimes in this country. Uh, both the victim and the perpetrator are known to law enforcement. Neither one are angels. But the fact remains that Mr. Trongo was sentenced to <laughs> was sentenced to, to time served for shooting into an occupied home. Was given that slap on the wrist, sent back on the streets, and we were supposed to believe that after the criminal justice system minimized that criminal act, that Trongo was supposed to learn his lesson somehow? Yeah. Well, the lesson that he learned was that you can commit a violent crime without consequence because that's exactly what happened to him. Now, he may be learning a different lesson. It's a little late for Mr. Vasquez, isn't it? All right, on to our uh, armed citizen story of the day here from Miami, Florida, where an off-duty officer shot and killed a burglar in uh, West Miami-Dade. This was Monday afternoon, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Neighbor neighbor Raul Artiles said, I heard boom, 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 boom. Somebody shooting with a pistol like 12 or 13 times. According to police, a uh, guy tried to break into the home when a a 13-year-old boy was inside. Miami-Dade Police Detective Christopher Welch said uh, the 13-year-old contacted his parents, said that somebody was trying to break into the rear of the home. His dad is a city of Miami police officer. Responded on scene, confronted the subject, shots were fired, and the suspect ultimately succumbed to his injuries. Uh, Raul Artilles, who's lived in the neighborhood for 35 years, said neighborhood's very peaceful, very nice. Never hear a shooting or anything like that. Florida Department of Law Enforcement is investigating the shooting. City of Miami police confirmed that the officer involved is a veteran at their department. Uh, this would appear to be a, a clear-cut case of uh, self-defense and defense of family. We'll see how this goes. But, you know, again, even in the most peaceful of neighborhoods, crime can strike. It, it doesn't matter if it's a gated community doesn't matter if a crime hasn't happened in 10 years. doesn't matter if it's the type of place where people leave the doors unlocked at night. 
Crime can strike anywhere. And thankfully, this 13-year-old was not harmed because his dad came home and defended him from that uh, would-be home invader. Finally today, our good deed of the day. From Wisconsin, where a good Samaritan, an anonymous good Samaritan, surprising Green Bay residents with free turkeys just before Thanksgiving. That's a nice gesture. And again, not doing it for any particular cause, not doing it to raise awareness for anything, just just doing it because, because they can. It was about a week ago, Loris Hallinan went to the grocery store after visiting her son. She says, as I was pulling in, this lady was kind of zigzagging in front of me. And then she came up to my window and she handed me a turkey and she said, happy Thanksgiving. I was just shocked, she said. Well, she wasn't the only one. Felipe Martinez's husband and daughter were outside her home in Green Bay, and they were both given turkeys. <laughs> she said, uh, my husband came in the house and said, hey, a lady came in and gave us a turkey outside. And I said, what lady? And he said, I don't know. She just handed us a turkey. I said, happy Thanksgiving. My daughter said, I got one too. And I was like, well, who is she? Felipe said. And they said, I don't know. She was a Thanksgiving fairy. The turkey fairy. I love it. So not even just hanging out outside of grocery stores, just, uh, you know, driving around Green Bay, randomly handing out turkeys for Thanksgiving. Martinez says she plans to use one of the turkeys to teach her daughter how to make tamales. Uh, Helenan gave her turkey to a family that her son's rugby team adopted for Christmas. So both of them putting that turkey to good use and paying it forward. Helenan says, I have all that I need. It's the time to help all of those that could use a little bit. Well, whoever the anonymous turkey fairy is in Green Bay, Wisconsin, we thank you for your very good deed. And we are very thankful for folks like you. Now, we've got one more edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company coming up on the program this week. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. And then I'm going to be stuffing my face full of turkey on Thanksgiving, probably sleeping it off on Friday. Uh, I will let you know I'm going to be joining Tom Gresham on Gun Talk. Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be talking about the uh, concealed carry scandal in Santa Clara County, California, as well as some other Second Amendment news and issues. I'll give you another reminder about that uh, tomorrow. But in the meantime, don't forget, you can subscribe to townhall.com or Town Hall Media on uh, YouTube. That way you'll never miss a program, except when we don't do one, of course. Uh, and then if you just like the audio version, maybe the beard's a little distracting. Maybe the ball cap's just annoying the heck out of you right now. I get it. It's okay. I don't take offense. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, some other ones too, but those are the ones that I remember. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hopefully we are one of your favorite podcasts. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, be free. We'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company.